Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein. Please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, so pretty much like most podcasts. My guest today is James Mays. James is the founder, is a founder at Mind the Product, which is just going to say it, one of my very favorite conferences. And um, he is now an evangelist at Pendo since uh, Mind the Product is officially part of the Pendo family. Congratulations on that, James. <laughs> and I would like to say specifically, Pendo is hiring. So you could go and work with James um, if, you know, you hear something you like. Uh, I recommend it. So James, it turns out, is uh, what he calls a, a recovering recruiter. And so we're going to do about a little a little 20-year retro here about his experience in, in recruiting. Um, so thank you for, for spending this time just to rant about recruiting with me. Um, I feel like this podcast could go on for days. It will do. We're kind of going back to some of my early roots here, but it should be fun. Yeah. And it's interesting. So tell me a little bit about um, your background. So, you know, people kind of understand where, where you're coming from and, and what kind of recruiting you've done. So I did that classic falling out of university with a degree and not much idea what to do with it. Um, wrote to a, a few recruiting firms and said, hey, I've got a bit of geography, some English lit, a um, little bit of uh, technology as well. What do, I, what do I do here? Um, and one of them was good enough to come back to me and say, hey, you actually come across remarkably well. Have you ever thought about recruitment? Um well, no, I haven't. But if it comes with a paycheck attached, you have my attention. So I kind of got into it by accident, which I think is probably the way about 100% of recruiters actually get into recruiting. You know, uh, that I actually almost got into recruiting that way. And I ended up going a different direction. And to this day, I think that was actually a mistake. I think it would have been a really, I think it would have been a great thing. It's, it's honestly, it is a brilliant grounding. You get to know an awful lot about how different businesses operate, work with different firms, different skill sets. And it's fundamentally, it's about dealing with people and solving problems. So yeah. it, it's a really good place to start from, frankly, even if you don't necessarily want to build the rest of your career in that space. Yeah, it's a good no, and you, yeah you learn and you learn all sorts of things about other jobs because you're talking to people who are hiring people for those oh, jobs. It's kind of like getting the inside, the inside scoop on, you know, what do people look like look for when they're hiring a product manager or an engineer or whatever? <laughs> you learn a chunk about, you know, writing copy and sales and negotiating and positioning and scheduling and all sorts of useful things. Yeah. Yeah. Not an easy job though. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, when, when was the last person, when was the last time you heard a person say, Hey, have you heard of that recruiter? So, and so I really like that recruiter. Recruiters <laughs> are not well liked. It's just not a thing. You know, oh. they're, they're up there with real estate agents, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know. I, I like one or two of them. I, I, I have some that listen to this podcast. I'm sure they're lovely people. That's, that's actually the problem is I actually am sure that they're lovely people and I've, I've liked yeah. several of them, but so many people have bad experiences with some. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's driven, we can talk about this a little more, but it's, it's yeah. driven partially by the client side, partially by the candidate side and the recruiters are the ones that are stuck in the middle. And it's really easy to hate on the messenger. It really is. Tell, tell me about that. What, how, how are we? Because I've been both a candidate and a hiring manager um, all within the last year. Uh, so we're a little over a year. Um, how, how have I made your life difficult? Or people like me, how have we made your life difficult? As a client, you tend to find that customers are constantly pushing for the best possible service they can get. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, looking for that bargain basement price. Yeah. Which one is it you want? You know this one. You can't have fast, cheap, and high quality. That's not how it works. And yet client after client says, can we bring those fees down a little bit? But also, can you raise the quality of the candidates and get them here faster? I mean, frankly, they always say pick two, you know, fast, you know, fast, cheap or good. And they say pick two. I'm going to 
say you get one. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. No. That, that is the regular customer ask of every recruiter. And as a UX designer, especially, you know, that's not reasonable. Mm-hmm. No, yet. oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet. Uh, yeah. And, and then on the candidate side, you know, I think the a lot of candidates do, do themselves a disservice when they get to that point of saying, okay, I'm now leaving my job. I'm looking for the next one. They go out and they start searching based on their job title of what's available in the local area or what's available in the right salary bracket. They don't actually say, is this still the job I want? Mm-hmm. Not enough people take that time to reflect back and say, I'm going into the next thing. And it was roughly like what I did last time, but a little step forward or a little step up or a little step further on or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. They don't reflect on the whole nature of, am I still in the right industry? Am I still doing the right job? Is this time for me to change entirely? Could I see myself? What among my skills might actually be useful and applicable elsewhere? I mean, I got to the end of 15 years in recruiting, went slideways through a tech startup building a Twitter-based jobs board. That fell apart disastrously. We can talk about that one another time as well. Um, And then ended up working in a conference business focused on technology product managers and ended up running the thing. It's been a fantastic ride, but nothing about that says, hmm, should be a recruiter or, <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily a logical path. As, as somebody who likes to refer to herself as a uh, recovering engineer, and also, by the way, I've done um, research and product management, and uh, now I manage UX designers. Um, yes, I hear you. <laughs> That's I mean, never, never been a problem for me, but, no, I, but I get it. It's no. that, that that having that discussion, I think we don't, I think hiring managers sometimes we don't make it easy on people either to figure out even like, is this the right job for you? Even if it's the same job, right? Like there are so many job descriptions out there that just like, just. Oh, absolutely. Look the same. Um, yeah. I, I, would, I would also point to particularly our industries being relatively nascent in their development. If I ask 10 chief product officers, what does a good product manager look like? How many different answers am I going to get? <laughs> 10. <laughs> Don't know. Never seen one. Oh, sorry. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but this does not make it easy yeah. for the candidate, right? No, it really doesn't. Yeah. But I think, I think you could very easily describe what would make a great product manager or designer or engineer on this project for which I am hiring. Which is a different question. Or um, I, I'm I'm helping a friend uh, at my office recruit for something called a an engineering development manager, which a lot of companies don't even have. <laughs> or, and, uh, or sorry, um, a, a UX a UX developer manager, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's kind of a weird thing. And like we have to describe like what does that person do? You manage UX developers. What's that? <laughs> you know, so yeah. coming up with that is hard. I think I think a lot of times, you know, you, you look at the job spec particularly includes a long old list of skills that are needed and a list mm-hmm. of skills that are relevant and a list of skills that in 95% of the person's time there won't be used. Yeah, uh, You end up trying to find a candidate and trying to interview candidates against a laundry list of 15, 20, 25, 30 technical skills. You and I both know 90% of their time in that job is going to be focused on these one or two things. Mm-hmm. So why are we being distracted by these other 22 over here? Yeah. It's just, it's fluff. It's distraction. Yeah. It's, it's, do you think some of it is that sometimes large companies are trying to hire people who will fit kind of wherever? I think um, that is an element to it. Sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. That's a nice, generous way out for me. <laughs> I mean, and sometimes we just don't want to think about it, and it's hard, and it's the last thing on our mind. Which let's there we talk go. Little, now you're getting yeah, closer yeah. to it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the problems that that causes for recruiters, because for <laughs> any hiring managers that are listening, James is about to explain to you why you are making your lives so much worse and so much harder than they need to be by just not focusing a little. <laughs> just step back and think about what that person is going to spend the vast majority of their time doing. Because typically it's not 72 different things. It's going to be one or two things that they spend most of their time on. It's going to be fairly repetitive. Let's be honest, if you're writing code or doing design, there's a couple of tools that you live in pretty much day and night. The other 17, 20, they're really not. They're nice to have, and that's cool. You've probably got other people in your teams who've got some of those skills too. So let's show a little bit of flex. We know what a cross-functional team is like. We can move around with that a little bit. If you get somebody who's absolutely killer in the thing where they're spending most of their time, you're going to win. Honestly, it's going to make all the difference in the world. You're going to have somebody who's super happy because they're doing the thing they love. You're going to have somebody super effective because they've absolutely monstered it, and they're not being distracted by a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of the other all over the place. And if they do need another skill, you know, they can learn it. You know, know? training training is a thing, apparently. (laughs) Training is a thing. We don't have to hire. We don't have to have other companies pre-train all of our people. It's amazing. (laughs) That that does remind me of that classic line in the training space. Sort of somebody goes up to the the director asking for a little bit of budget to, uh, to help with training. And it's like, but what happens if we start training our people and then they leave? Well, what happens if you don't train them and they stay? (laughs) exactly yes and you know we we can talk i always feel like there's another podcast to be had about how to keep good people and you know make them happy or make sure that they come back if they decide to leave or you know set up an, an environment where you know, it's it's just it's a good place, and people want to be there. Um, that that that's a, a different a different podcast, sadly. Um, but uh, just talking about getting them in the door. Um, what are some of the other things that you've run into that just make it an absolute nightmare, either for recruiters or for candidates? Uh, I think for candidates, a lot of the time, the actual first part of the journey is the worst. Um, and when I worked in recruiting tech some time ago, one of the things I would often prompt clients to do was go home this evening. Go to your career site and apply for one of your own jobs. In fact, better still, don't wait till you get home. Try do it from your mobile on the train. Tell me how that goes. Please attach your TV here. Yeah, because everybody's got that stored on their mobile, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't? <laughs> so much of these things that just they're not designed with the candidate in mind. And there's certain parts of the candidate experience that you should be putting barriers in there. You know, you want to make the candidate do a little bit of running, make sure they're actually committed, make sure that they do their research and they actually turn up for the interview. Prepared, sure. But there are also certain parts of the process where you should be saying, how can we make this easier? There are certain parts of the process where you don't need to create barriers for the sake of it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, you mentioned the the making sure that people have done a little bit of research and I would, I would, I agree. I would, I would emphasize a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, people apply to a lot of places and I, I, I strongly, I want people to look at all their options. I, I don't, I don't need people to have, you know, written a master's thesis on my particular company. And, and I don't expect them to really know anything about, you know, my particular thing at the company if it's something kind of niche or you know some something that isn't really obvious um they should know what's in the job description right and they should know generally what the company does but i don't expect them to go out and do you know 
a book report. <laughs> no, I mean, so, I, yeah. I, there's, there's a level of research that I have seen some companies ask for that I do think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there's also a level of research that I would regard as being common courtesy or decent manners. Like, how does your company make money? If I have to explain that to you at an interview, we might have a problem here. And it's funny because I absolutely, as a candidate, want to know that. And I want to know that at the level that I can from public disclosures. Yeah. <laughs> I, may, I may still ask a few pointed questions because uh, I, have, I have certain standards. But this, this uh, one no, it's. To me because of a horror story earlier in my recruiting years. And you, know, oh, no. you mentioned funny stories at one point. Like, what can you. Here's one for you. I had a call from a client um, to say, uh, we have an issue. Candidate just walked out of an interview halfway through. Yeah. Oh. Oh, what happened? The job spec was perfect. I gave them the info pack on the company. Um, they knew exactly who you were. They already found you all right. What went wrong? Oh, well, they discovered that um, the project that we're working on is missile guidance systems, and they're opposed to working for an arms company. You're called BAE Weapons Systems. How did they not spot <laughs> that? Yeah, I, I would have thought that that would have been a, a giveaway. Did they think it was a different kind of of weapons? Like, you know, I can only imagine what other kind of weapons. swords. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can only imagine what other kind of weapon guidance systems they might have had in mind. <laughs> I thought it was more sort of emotional weapons. Yeah, <laughs> you know, theoretical weapons, maybe um, you know, barbed speech or. <laughs> Witty repartee? I don't know. No, um, you yeah. say that from politicians, surely. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. I would say that that would be the level at which I would not expect... <laughs> I would not expect to see that happen, yeah. No, um, yeah. I don't expect war and peace on... You know, right. I don't expect you to write a novel on why you should work here, but do a little bit of basic research. Understand yeah. where you fit within the company and how the company makes money. That, that's, yeah. Surely that's table stakes. Absolutely. It's interesting too. Um, you mentioned, and I'm going to call back to something that you mentioned earlier, because uh, I, I think I do want to dig into this a little bit. Um, <laughs> mostly, I just want to commiserate here. Um, you talked a little bit about the the systems for actually applying and kind of how those get in our way. Um, can we just talk about a lot of recruiting technology and why is it so bad? <laughs> Like what? There are so many pieces involved, and they none of them seem to fit together right or do quite the right thing. Well, let's start with most of it was built around about the same time as the fax machine, and unfortunately, the fax died out, and the recruiting tech didn't. I um, mean, yes, there's, there's there's an awful lot of it that just literally it was designed to say you used to fax CVs from one place to another. Cool, we can use technology to do some of that, and systems were introduced to do that, and they. They replicated that basic process and didn't actually get much smarter than that. Quite a few of them. Um, and you know, this, this, you're getting very close to one of my rant buttons right now. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm like pushing at the the screen. You're, no, you're looking for it. <laughs> click, looking, click, click. I feel you're looking for it. Um, something that drives me absolutely nuts is what I call the missed opportunity of digital transformation. And I think it hit recruiting in the same way as it hit almost every other industry. And I'm going to use banks as an example, just because they deserve it. Um, (laughs) When you talk to banks about digital transformation, an awful lot of what they're actually doing is taking what they used to do in a branch and making it available online. Now, that for me is the digital part. What I'm looking for here is the transformation part. 
Now, a lot of these journeys have been going on for the last 20 years. We've seen people going in and out of these projects time and time again. It turns up on their CVs with a load of regret. Sure. But look at it from a, a, a candidate point of view or indeed a banking consumer point of view. We've been through something of a rough time over the last couple of years. I think everybody yeah. would agree. Yeah. Now, I'm willing to bet that pretty much every part of your consumer behaviour has changed. Have you seen any recognition of that from your bank? Most of the digital transformation I see done in banks is simply scaling bad process faster. Yeah. There's very little of the actual engaging with a customer. What are they doing? What problem are they trying to solve? How has their life changed? What things can we take account of? What lumps into, and exactly the same applies to an awful lot of recruitment processes. I feel like this applies to any of those big, customizable, often on-prem, on-premise, but not always anymore now that we have the cloud. Um, <laughs> dating myself. <laughs> but these very big customizable like CRM systems or ERP systems or VMS or ATS, like all of these different, like all of these, what they would call back office processes yeah. with, that have internal audiences. And instead of thinking about like, what, what could be the right process to get the outcomes that we want. Like, you know, oh, I don't know, a UX design process or a service design oh. process. They just take, yeah, I agree. Like they take what they have. I, I rant about this all the time. They take what, what they have and they try to kind of shoehorn it into the product. And then they like change weird bits about it because the system doesn't yeah. support what they really need. And it just turns into this Franken product. You get all of that. And then you have the added benefit when you're talking about these big companies of the final purchasing decision being made by somebody in, in procurement who's not actually touched a recruiting process any time in the last decade. Yeah. Or that's ever not, sometimes, right? Like they don't, that's they, not they don't the person use who should be making the decisions. Right. Yeah. They should be negotiating the contract. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's where their expertise lies. Get me the best price. Get me the best possible terms. Right. Go nuts. But in terms of actually evaluating those systems, it's too often done by procurement people. Yeah. And then they're trying to take all of their often quite complicated and custom processes and needs. And I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I've talked to some friends who, you know, work in various different governments and the application process at various different governments is just wildly more complex than it is for, you know, getting a job really anywhere else. But even like all these big companies have so many steps and each one of them is just slightly different from the last one <laughs> and they all need slightly different things and they all, and it, but that all has to go into the system. And so it becomes very customized. It becomes just incredibly difficult for, you know, a candidate who might be applying to hundreds of places, which is its own problem. <laughs> It really yeah, is. like the hundreds of places. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a certain element of job board blame to be assigned here. Uh, Feel know. free to blame. I I, okay. I will not defend us. As, 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 as we have the green light on this, um, <laughs> you go back 20, 30 years, you were looking around for a job and you would look at which employers are in the local area or within a commutable radius who do interesting things that I have some respect for and I'd like to go. And I will approach those firms. I will go find myself a job. Or I'll talk to a local recruiting agent and tell them, hey, this is what I'm looking for. It's a little easy now to go hit up for a uh, job board and say, I'm looking for a design post in Washington. Whole list of things come up. Tick, 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 apply to all. That's just wasting everybody's time. And technology enables bad behaviours on all parts. 
Yeah. And then on the other side of it, that means that all of the recruiters and sourcers on, you know, at each of those companies gets a thousand applicants for a particular position, 995 of which are just not. Yeah. And it makes it hard because it, it like there might be there might be 10 of those who could do the job, but it's hard to find those like weird five that might not look exactly right because you get so used to rejecting people mm-hmm. just on site. Like if you have 10 seconds to review a <laughs> to, to review a portfolio or a resume. is spectacularly deta- uh, generous. You are being too nice. <laughs> that is um, rarely said about me, but go on, please. <laughs> Continue. I, I, I like where I, this is going. I suspect yeah. the reality is an awful lot of resumes. People read the first two lines and they moved on. And you open <laughs> it up and you move on. Honestly, 10 seconds, I think, is generous in a lot of cases. Really? Well, some of them just get de- um, deleted. They get thrown out automatically because they don't have the right keywords which yep. is which you know that's also that's, horrifying. The, that's the updated version of the i only hire lucky people joke right <laughs> tell tell that joke for those who have not heard it because it is worth it <laughs> the uh, the sales director many many years ago who was insistent that he would only hire lucky candidates looked at the pile of his res- of uh, resumes on his desk picks up the top half puts it in a the bin there we go we have now excluded the unlucky people let's come let's move forward <laughs> <laughs> exactly which of course is why you should always send two resume no i'm kidding it <laughs> also doesn't work while we're doing the uh the multiple applications thing let's also hit that the other way and talk a little about job board aggregators and the and the, and the role that they fulfill in the space sure because from a candidate perspective you hit the job board you apply to that role you go to another job board you apply to that role you go to another suddenly you start to put it together hang on i think i've just applied for the same role eight different times through eight different job boards Candidates wasted their time is now starting to feel bitter. Meanwhile, the recruiter at the other end of that is getting the same candidate CV eight times through eight different job boards. That doesn't feel like technology's improving my life. No, even even when it's just through one, um, when I was trying to use, uh, because I do a lot of hiring, and when I was trying to use the applicant tracking system, you know, people would apply to three or four different roles. And because of the way it's all set up and everything, it was like, it was very hard. It was it was hard both to say no to this person generally because they're just not qualified, you know. So take them out entirely from everywhere. Or it was also equally hard if I was like, you know, they applied to this one, but I really think they'd be better for this other one over here. That's in a because they have you know more similar thing, but they just didn't see that job and didn't apply for it. Somehow both are hard, and I don't know why that is like we're basically telling people you have to apply to every single one of these 10 similar roles at the company but also we're making it hard to then accept Um, or reject you on this there are i have seen some companies in some systems that will do good work there Hmm. Uh, so you start to get to the point where hey candidate x applied wasn't right for this role send a polite rejection message leave it in the pile of applicants interested in our firm Mm -hmm. and when firms get this right, the recruiters will then tap that database in future and say, hey, who's in the pile of people who are interested in us? Maybe there's some gold nuggets in there that we can pick out and we'll do good things. Yeah. It does exist. I've seen it done, but it doesn't happen often enough, largely because recruiters don't have that time. Well, the way that they're often, at large companies at least, the way that they're often resourced is across different projects. So like, there's no benefit to somebody getting, you know, hiring a UX designer for another you know, wreck that isn't theirs. Mm-hmm. 
which is which is terrible for the candidate. Um, for the company, because they've got the resources yeah. right there around to go and they can't get at it. Yeah, you know, we spent all this awkward. time. Yeah, we spent all this time sourcing this person, maybe had a, an interview with the hiring manager. Maybe they were, you know, again, there's, there is often such a thing as great, but not great for this role. As somebody, as somebody who is either fantastic or an absolute disaster in certain roles, um, often with exactly the same title. <laughs> it's funny because I think I know a lot of people who are like that. And I, I don't know if it's just the people I happen to know, or if it's just that's the nature of things, right? Like all UX designer positions are different. I'm willing to go out on a limb here and suggest that A, it is the nature of things, and B, you probably collect slightly more of those people than most. (laughs) (laughs) I do know a lot of people with opinions. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Surprised. (laughs) I mean, I guess if they don't have strong opinions. Uh, There we go. Yeah. Now we get the truth of it. Anyway, but this is not about me. This is this is about uh, okay. this is this is about well, you know, hiring I, managers. We're, we're clearing up, we're clearing a few rants out here, which is certainly enjoyable. I've not had the opportunity to do this for a while on the recruiting topic at least. <laughs> uh, so I want to hit another one, if I may. Yeah, please. Uh, I get annoyed with the fact that we continuously refer to it as recruiting. We Talk tell to everybody about that. We tell everybody <laughs> that we're recruiting, and yet everything about the process is optimized for the reverse. You get 100 applicants applying to a job, you're going to hire one, which means 99% of candidates are getting rejected. This is a rejection engine. The most, an awful lot of the engineering that goes into this process is designed to say, out of 100, how can we reject the irrelevant ones fastest so that we're just left with the bit that we want? Uh, A friend of mine explained this to me beautifully about 15 odd years ago using a light bulb analogy. So the energy that goes into a light bulb something like 97, 98% of the energy actually comes out as heat. So it is in fact a heater, not a light bulb. We call it a light bulb because that's the outcome that we're looking for. The actual outcome mostly is heat. Well, with the processes that we're talking to today, talking about today, the majority of the actual outcome is rejection. And yet we ignore that and we handle it so terribly badly. If you talk to most candidates, the biggest complaint that they have is that they never hear anything back. Most would happy just most would be happy just to hear, I'm sorry, you didn't make the cut. They don't even get that. I mean happy is probably not the right word, but I mean satisfied. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Happier. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They, they would be yep. significantly impressed if somebody yeah. said you didn't make the cut because and just gave them a one liner on why they got picked at the post and why somebody else was more interesting. And the bit that drives me nuts about that is that that is the same right across the board, and particularly with consumer facing companies. Now, with some big banking brands, perhaps, or perhaps more so with wholesale banking brands, customers don't hear about them. They do business to business transactions the whole time. Nobody cares. They have no consumer facing brand. But you see this with consumer facing brands all the time. Um, Imagine you apply for a job at a coffee company. You don't hear back. You still drink coffee. And yet you just burnt that customer relationship. You burnt that brand. You could have been leaving that with something more positive. Every opportunity in that respect, it's a marketing exercise. You market to the candidates to get them to apply. And then you tell them nothing. That kind of feels like you kicked off a transaction and left it incomplete. There's no closure there for anybody. Interestingly, yeah, interestingly, I have, um, I've done a weird thing. I have recommended to friends jobs that I applied for and did not get (laughs) because I thought that the hiring process was actually good and I liked the people that I interviewed with, but it just wasn't the right job 
for me. And I've absolutely said, you know, this wasn't really the right job for me. They were looking for somebody with like actual visual skills, which (laughs) I do not have. And I would have told them that up front um, had they put that on the job description. (laughs) But given that, like, this might be perfect for you. But I would never do that if they didn't tell me that that's why I didn't get selected. if If you hear back from the company and you have a good experience and it's not right... And that company says, hey, we are looking to hire others. I'm sorry this didn't feel out, but mm-hmm. here's where you could perhaps work on how you present, how you come across. Um, mm-hmm. Here's some useful career guidance. Just offer a little bit of something back. And, you know, nine, t- nine times out of ten, you have professional acquaintances. You have professional f- spheres, peers that move in similar spheres to yourself. You're going to know other people that are potentially right for that job. But it's just ignored half the time. Yeah. And again, and- I'm being generous when I say half. <laughs> and I would say that that's not necessary for like those. I have gotten many, many, many resumes for people who I would say, I acknowledge the fact that the job description was not perfect, but they clearly didn't even read it. (laughs) You know, like I like, no, none of, none of this is applicable. Like this is not, I am looking for somebody with any UX design experience. Let's have a little dig on that one then, because I see the same artifact being used in both parts of the process on a regular basis. And that drives me nuts as well. The job specification, the thing that you want the person to do and the job advert are separate documents. They are designed to represent the firm and the task in different ways. They are designed to solve different parts of the process please stop using the same document for both parts. Tell me tell me a little bit more about that. What are the, the two pieces and what are the two things they're meant to solve for? The actual detail of the job, what you're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis, yeah, go hard on that in the spec. That helps the interviewer figure out which questions to ask, where to dig deeper. That helps the candidate understand what they're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis. But the actual job advert, that's just designed to get people a little bit excited, give them a little taste and get them to the next stage of the process. If you give me a three page job spec that tells me absolutely everything I want and then slam that on the careers page, that's not going to get people excited enough. And it's a competitive jobs market out there. Hmm. I'm not saying your job advert needs to lie. That's not where we're going with this. But you need to make it a little bit more juicy than a job spec task list bullet point of skills. Yeah, they are different artifacts. They, they are designed to solve for different problems. One is designed to bring a lot of people into the process and the other is designed to help you narrow it down and get the right one. Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually had really good luck um, posting uh, like on LinkedIn and just being very clear, like these are the four things about the jobs that I'm looking for and this is what the job is. And like, this is, these are the things. Laundry yeah. list of 30 irrelevant skills yeah. to four things. I need you to yeah, do this, four things. This is what you have, like you have to have these. These are non-negotiable. Um, other than that, this is what you do in the job if this fits you, ping me yeah. and let's chat. Um, yeah, as, a, as, a, as, an out, as an outward looking advert, that and something around the mission and the values that you hold dear. Um, you know, if, you, if you've got the right attitude, if you've got the right values alignment, then to be honest, you, could, you should be able to make a go of that in a lot of cases because as we covered earlier, competencies can actually be trained. But if yeah. you're not aligned on values and mission, that's never going to work. It's going to end up in disappointment for one or both parties. Yeah, so I mean, a little bit more of that into the advert. And you know, if you want to filter people out of the process, filter them out based on values. If our values don't align, let's stop this right here. If you're not interested in building weapon systems, for right. example, yeah, <laughs> which is a perfectly reasonable thing Absolutely. to not be interested in building. 
I get it. Hear that right up front. Save everybody else a little bit of time. Come on, that's that's the whole plot to one of my favorite 80s movies of all times. Real genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Values based recruiting is is certainly increasing in the UK. I'm seeing more of it. I don't know so much about the US market right now. But to me, getting those values right out there up front is so much more important to people, especially now than it ever was before. People are less attached to salary these days. The market's been good. There's some good salaries out there. Um, people are more interested in saying, I really believe in this thing. I want to work on this thing. I'm aligned with where it's going. I'm aligned with its cultural values. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You say that people are less attached to salaries, but then you said because salaries are good. And I think that that matters a tremendous amount. Like salaries are higher than than they were. I mean, right now at this moment, we may be entering a recession. Who knows? Over the next couple of months, it's going to be uncomfortable in a few places. Yeah. And a few firms are going to be looking at those hires going, Jesus, we're paying how much? <laughs> what, what? Yeah. But I would say it's it's not so much that people are less attached to salary as that the their salary basic minimums are, are kind of being met and other things really make that that huge yeah, difference and, as you know, well. You, you've got, whether you call it the great reset or the great resignation or whatever you might be, people are reevaluating their lives and trying to think a little bit harder about what they actually want to spend their time on. Mm-hmm. And that means they need to feel some sort of values alignment with the organization that they're joining. Yeah, absolutely. It, I, makes, I, it makes a bigger difference. I'm seeing it make a bigger difference than it ever has before. No, it's a, it's a great point. Um, I do have one question for you, which this is, and this could be something that we've already talked about or something entirely different, but what is, if you had to like say, this is the thing, this is the thing that makes it the hardest about hiring or getting hired. What is it? What, what's the thing we should fix? I think people on both sides can be a little bit more direct about what they actually want to do day to day and what actually needs to be done day to day. I think candidates will quite happily dress that up a little bit more and say, actually, I'm happy to get involved here and here and here and do this and do this and do this. No, you're not. Let's be honest. (laughs) You really love doing one or two parts of that. So, you know, draw those out, paint big pictures around them, make it really, really clear which bits you really love. And then if I know that this job is only going to ask you to do that every third Friday, it probably ain't the job for you, is it? Yeah. And likewise, I think clients can do the same. They can say, you know, the vast majority of this job is focused on this thing here. There's all these other things here that are nice too. Main focus, this thing here. So let's go hard. Let's be really clear. This is the main thing. If this main thing don't float your boat, ain't going to work out well. Yeah. Yeah. That that directness and clarity, I think there's, I think recruiting has evolved a lot over the last few years, especially, and some good things have happened in there. But it's also led to an awful lot of additional things that need to be messaged and talked about. And it takes away from that core focus of what is the thing to be done? Mm -hmm. Where am I going to be spending most of my time? Does that make me happy? Does that fulfill your needs? Because if that thing is in some way out of balance, unhappiness awaits. And it's, I think, a really interesting red flag when you ask the hiring manager, so what does this job do? Yep. And they cannot answer it or they dance around and it's a lot of kind of hand waving and like, well, you know, it's sweet. across. Oh, shut up. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I got into this debate actually with somebody on uh, LinkedIn the other night, actually. Um gentleman called Jason Knight, who runs a brilliant podcast on product, um, as it happens. And he was talking about, you know, a lot of friends ask me, what does a product manager do? And, you know, he had, he had a variety of different answers coming out. And it's like, we get involved in trying to figure out this. And we do this. No, no, no. What you're doing is talking about the outcomes that product managers are supposed to achieve. You're not talking about what they actually do on a day-to-day basis. And if somebody says to you, what does a product manager do? 
They mean, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? When you turn up at work, you pour yourself a cup of joe, and then you start doing things. What are the things you do? (laughs) And specifically, especially for things like product management and UX design, I mean, and I'm sure lots of other things, but specifically those which I know a lot about, what does one of those do at your company, in your organization, on your team? Because it can be wildly different at you know, a startup versus that a... Absolutely. What, what, what are we call, we're calling them mangas now. <laughs> from, a, from a product manager's perspective, yeah. you can get involved in pricing, strategic alignment, stakeholder management, customer research, a little bit of UX and design, some product typing. Maybe on a bad day, you're doing a bit of code. On a good day, you head down in the analytics. It can be any number of a dozen different things. Which one of those things, which of those things am I going to be doing most often? Going Where to meetings. I'm mostly <laughs> going to defend, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does that look like at your organization? And that is, that is all I am asking that people do on their, on their actual job descriptions. And um, yeah, just being honest with people about this is what the job is. Yeah. And there's there's so much more dressing it up now that a lot of that is, it's hard. I'm not saying people deliberately obfuscated, but it is harder to find. Yeah. And I want, the funny thing is I want fewer people to apply and I want them to really, really want to do this thing. Yeah. I would be so yeah. much happier to be able to spend, I don't know, 20 seconds on a resume. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> instead that's, of 10. That's the value of, of focus and segmentation, though, right? I mean, yeah. from a minded product perspective, we've been running a, a jobs board here for years. And the best bit of feedback I ever saw was from a client who said, We advertised a job on a certain well known professional networking site. Don't know which one you're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Uh huh. We had, we had a hundred applicants and none of them were interesting. We advertised the job on the, on the product site. We had three applicants, interviewed all three and hired two. That feels pretty much to me like the Holy Grail, but you're clear about what you want and you're advertising it in the right place where only those kind of people will see it. All right. That's well, you heard it. You heard it here, folks. If you're looking to hire a good product manager, you know where to find them. <laughs> Mind the product apparently has a job board. <laughs> good to know. But that is all the time that we have for today. And um, I just want to thank James so much for, for joining us. And I, I also want to thank all of you for listening and wish you all the best of luck with your own search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee. I'm rooting for you. <laughs>